Well, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word. Amen. And I'm glad to be back with y'all. I uh, have not been feeling uh, well uh, the last uh, few days and all, so uh, we've missed a couple of podcasts, but praise the Lord, God is doing uh, uh, work and healing and all of those things. So uh, just bear with me as I go along because I'm still uh, uh, trying to get on through. Hallelujah. But God has touched my body. Thank you. And, um, you know, uh, I thank the Lord for the prayers that have been sent up and all of that. And so uh, with that said, we're going to go to prayer because I know prayer works. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Lord, we just give you praise tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that we've got the word to go to. I thank you for preserving it. And, Lord, we know it's a lamp under our feet, a light under our path that guides our way. And, Lord, as we go to your word tonight, I ask you, God, to guide us and help us all as we continue in our study about sexual sin and the destruction thereof. I'm asking you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, through the power of the Holy Ghost, that you'll help us on through. Open our eyes and our ears that we may see what you want us to see and understand in Jesus' name. We pray and everybody, if I was in the house of God, I'd say everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. And so we are on uh, to the third part. This is part three. And I, uh, I may be done. I may not. I don't know. But uh, anyway, part three here of sexual sin and its destruction. And I want to, um, first of all, I want to read, uh, if you will, I'm always going to encourage anybody, y'all going to come on here on this podcast. I am in, um, always in King James Version. And uh, and so we'll go along and God will help us out. He's going to do right. You know, God didn't give us his word and, uh, you know, just leave us hanging. And I know some people, they say, well, you know, I, I, I look at this version over here because I ain't got all the these and thous and, and all of that understood. And, and so I'm going to go on and I'm going to look at these other versions. Well, I will tell you what, some of them versions have watered things down and even added some things on. And uh, so I don't go down that road. But um, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I don't use other versions for study. But what I'm saying is when I get up on my podcast, I get in the pulpit, I'm going to be using King James Version. And uh, and if I may, um, you know, just encourage you, if you're going to come along with me, I would appreciate it if you would have a King James Version Bible so we can just get on through. All right. Thank you, Lord. Now, so we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 27 and 28. And as I said, we're talking about on this part three, sexual sin and its destruction. Proverbs 6, verses 27 and 28. And the word of the Lord reads, Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? In verse 28, some people don't get down to verse 28. He said, Can a man go upon hot coals and not burn his feet? Or his feet not be burned. Now I know there's gonna be some folks say, "Oh, I see, I seen a firewalker. I seen a firewalker." Now, are you gonna get out on those coals and walking? 
You want to tell me about how you saw a fire walker? Well, let me ask you something. You going to get out there and do it yourself? You know you ain't going to do that. So don't give me none of that fire walker stuff. And it may be you got their own little trick going on or whatever they got going on, but I'm going to tell you what. <coughs> Most of us are not going to get out there and walk on cold because you hot cold because you know it's going to burn your feet. So let's just quit playing these little games and acting like we got something to say against the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. But there is a word being said here. And if you will read uh, from verse 20 and you just keep on reading, you're going to find out, especially in verse 32, it says, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, and he that doth it destroyeth his own soul. Now, I know it says they're adultery, but what it is doing is giving you the point that sexual sin. Now, at this point, it's talking uh, adultery here, but if you read up a little bit further, it's going to talk about uh, somebody else. It's going to talk about another woman. It's going to talk about the woman uh, that is not right. She's a whorish woman. You see that in verse 26. It says, by the means of a whorish woman, a man can be brought to a piece of bread and adulterous, will hunt for the precious life. Mm-hmm. They ought to kill. They do. And so I just read a story, I believe it was yesterday, and uh, there was a young man, I guess he, you know, was going to hire himself a prostitute, and one thing led to another, and the man ended up dead. All he wanted was to have a little good time, and somehow uh, it ended up that he lost his life. Now, and so, you know, the Bible is true. The Bible means what it's saying and say what it means. So when you look at verse 27 and verse 28, it's sandwiched between these others talking about uh, not just the adulterous person, the woman that you get wrapped. But I'm going to tell you something else. Some people fail to understand. This is just placing it in uh, the category of sexual sin. And when you look at verse 32, it says, he that doth it destroyeth his own soul. What it's trying to tell you is, and people are failing to understand because they don't see other pieces there. You know, you got folks that, uh, they say, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't commit, I, I didn't go high no whore uh, to have a good time with. I, I, I didn't go off and commit adultery. I didn't have no neighbor's wife or and you think because you didn't do that. You know that's how the Pharisees behave. Well, I didn't do this and this, so I guess it don't fit. Now, you guys going to hear that beep every now and then because I got my phone in here tonight because I'm going to read you a little something that I saw in a little bit. We're going to get to it. In the name of the Lord, help us all. And so, but you've got to take the essence of what the Lord is trying to say through the mouth of Solomon, these words in the book of Proverbs, they were given through the mouth of Solomon, who was the wisest man on all the earth. Amen. And so he's trying to instruct his son, telling him, you know, don't run around with them nasty women. You all have to lay it out down and leave it alone. And some folk, because they ain't done that, they may have done other things. Maybe you got yourself involved in a different type of situation sexually or whatever the case may be. And you think because yourself ain't listed there that it don't apply to your sexual sin. I got news for you. I got a news bulletin for you. 
I got a news flash for you. You understand? The word of God is letting you know that sex of sin is going to destroy your soul. Don't sit there and play a game and think that God's got to list every little thing in order for you to understand that situation. There is sexual sin that is out there that can be had by anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what, what it is that you got going on in your mind or your heart or whatever going on. But sexual sin can go after anybody, anywhere, anytime. And it is going to destroy your soul. Now, you don't think, you know, it's talking about the man, his soul being destroyed. You don't think the woman's, uh, her soul wasn't destroyed in this situation? Certainly will. <clears throat> and those who are committing uh, all kinds of sexual sin, you not married to somebody in whatever situation you got going on, and you, 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 you find yourself uh, up on your phone. Now, we've already talked about this, but I'm going to talk about it again because it's a problem. Uh, up on your phone and um, and the videos and all of that on the computer and everything that people got going on and that's the reason why I got my phone in here because I found something to uh, validate what I'm saying I will see if I can encourage folks to look at that because uh, I don't have uh, you know I don't want to spend all the time reading what it said but it is an interesting article but uh, but it validates uh, you know what I'm saying and it, and it don't it's just across the board with whoever you are. Uh, it doesn't matter what what your uh, you know what your sexual attraction is, whatever, because it's referring to pornography and the damage and the and and what it does to the brain. That's part of that article that I wanted to uh, let you know. And you say, well, why do you mention that? Well, I mention that because people all over the world. Do you think that uh, sexual sin is just uh, you know? only up in one category, one place. No, you see it all through the Word of God. You see it everywhere. And so we want to uh, be able to uh, let you know. Uh, God, uh, you know, he, he, He's going to let everybody understand where things stand. Amen. Now, so, it's telling you here, He said, can a man take fire in his bosom and his shirt not be burned? In other words, you can burn the you know, you can burn whatever you got going on. <clears throat> now, I told y'all I wasn't, wasn't quite feeling up to par in the last few days, but I certainly didn't want to go another day and not do the podcast, so I'm going to have to slow down here a bit. But I'll tell you what. When it's telling you that you can't take fire in your bosom and your shirt, your clothes, you got on, you can't uh, expect it not to burn them. And then you go get out there and put some, go on ahead and take those fires out of that barbecue you got going on and set it down on the patio and go ahead and walk on it and watch what happened. You'll burn the living daylights out of your feet and maybe you have to go to the hospital. Well, you will have to go to the hospital. You won't burn the daylights out of your feet. You won't burn the skin right off. And, and, and it's, it's going to be painful. It's going to tear your little feet up. And you don't want to do that. Now, so, but it's trying to give you an understanding. Sexual sin is going to burn you. It is going to burn you. And that is one of those things in that article that I want people to understand. Uh, that we're going to be looking at. So, 
in light of that, before we go on to the rest of the verses that I got going on, because uh, and while while we uh, uh, are uh, waiting to move on to that, I do want to look at this for just a moment. Now, what this is, and I've I've been told that I can say this particular part uh, because I want to let you know where it is that I found or what it is that I found. And, uh, and I know a lot of y'all, Christ you Christians, I, I, just as I am, uh, I don't go along with everything that science says. I know, uh, you know, but I do believe that, uh, you know, God certainly uh, created science himself, uh, but it's just sometimes the science world and the science minds twist up what God says. But I did want to tell you that this I found to be rather interesting. And it is put out by what is called uh, NeuroscienceNews.com. It's NeuroscienceNews.com. And I'm just going to read the summary to y'all of what they say, which is rather interesting. And I did read the article, and I'll tell you, it is very enlightening. So the summary, it says, from eroding the front prefrontal cortex, now it's talking about uh, the usage of pornography, from eroding the prefrontal cortex, which is part of the brain, and I, uh, I've been, I used to uh, take care of folks a long time ago, and I had a class I had to go to, and uh, that, that part of the brain is also what is uh, destroyed with people with Alzheimer's and that kind of thing, and so it can really uh, cause a lot of problems with uh, uh, the way a person behaves and their thinking and uh, everything. But anyway, but this is something that they have found uh, that uh, pornography is affecting those very things as well. And so it says from eroding the prefrontal uh, frontal cortex, an area of the brain, uh, or an area of the brain critical for impulse control to damaging the dopamine reward system Researchers evaluate the impact of viewing pornography on the brain. And so, again, that's put up by neurosciencenews.com, uh, and um, it, it is very enlightening. And I, I was, um, I, I'm going to tell you, it was, it was enlightening to me because, and now I, I thank God for what God has done for me because many years ago, uh, even as a, a young person, I was exposed to pornography, and I'm going to tell you, uh, it, it is an addictive thing. It is a very addictive thing, and so uh, you have to, um, uh, you know, for, for me, of course, I thank God for the Holy Ghost, and I thank God that uh, His mercy held on to me, and all of those things, but I'm going to tell you, uh, prayer in the Word really, really is a great and a wonderful and a powerful tool of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But uh, we're going to go on from there, and I'm, I am going to be doing a podcast talking specifically to maybe folks that are addicted to those things uh, at another time, but uh, it probably won't be part of this uh, series here. But, um, and I have mentioned some things because uh, we're on the third um, part of this uh, lesson or study. And so let's go on from there, and let's go to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And so, But I, I would like to encourage you, if you would, to read that article. If you would find that article, it's a very um, 
interesting article and um, uh, it was um, actually was a, quite a blessing to me and it's a blessing to me because of the struggles that I had and it helped me to understand some things that I didn't understand even though God had uh, redeemed hallelujah thank you the Lord has redeemed me and gave me the power to overcome uh, thank you Jesus uh, it was enlightening to see uh, some of the things that were said because it just like oh okay I understand why this and why that and and all of those things so it's it's really can be a great help especially those that uh, you may be in the middle of struggling with uh, pornography and all so I would encourage you to look at that article all right so first Corinthians chapter 5 in uh, verses 1 through 13 now this is uh, the letter to the Corinthian church written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, in this particular chapter, uh, he is discussing what to do with the problem that comes up in the church uh, of sexual sin, to, to deal with that problem, what you're going to do about it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they don't want you preaching this chapter. They don't want to hear this chapter. And um, so, you know, but folks, listen, it's in the Word of God. You know, you, you, you can't take uh, and toss the baby out with the bathwater. You see what I'm saying? The, the, the Bible says that we are washed by the water of the Word. You can't take... Uh, the water of the word, and yes, it's got to clean our nasty little cells up, but you can't go and just toss the whole thing out and say, well, you say, well, I'm not tossing that out. I just don't want to hear that chapter. Well, can you tell me why? Why do you don't want to hear that chapter? You see, there's a reason why folk don't want to hear that chapter. <coughs> now, every now and then, I'm going to stop and take a drink of water if y'all don't mind. But we've, we've got to look at the whole word of God. The Bible says, you, you know, did you know the Bible said not to remove anything? And, and if you think that, you know, you can sit there and say, well, I didn't remove it. I just don't read it. Well, that's the same as removing it. If you don't want to read it and you don't want to understand what God has to say about it, that's the same as if you're removing it. And the Lord said that we are not to do that. We ain't to remove it, and we're not to add to it, neither. And so we need to look at it. All right, so let's see it. So <coughs> this is what First uh, Corinthians chapter 5 does. It tells the church what they've got to do when there are people in the church. Now pay attention, pay attention. To those who will not repent... Of their sexual sin. Are you hearing me? I'm going to repeat that again. It is dealing with folks that will not repent of the sexual sin. Now, if somebody is caught in sexual sin, they're attending the church, you're going to have to deal with it on a different level than this if they have actually repented. But there, there is to be some type of consequences dealt with uh, with those, even those that may have uh, committed sexual sin, there's got to be something that must be done, uh, you know, but 
uh, you're going to have to pray and ask the Lord what must be done. You know, it's depending on the situation. And, uh, you know, because some things, uh, some things are just flat out going to have to call the police. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I can't call the police on my parishioner. I can't do. No, you got to do that. Uh, and, and I'm going to say another thing. If your pastor has committed sexual sin and uh, it falls in line with being against the law, <coughs> and certainly we know it's against the law of God, but it, if it is such that it is uh, committing uh against the law committing a sexual sin against the law then you're gonna to have to call the police on that pastor you say well we got our protocol well i'll tell you what your protocol better be that somebody better call somebody you gonna have to get some legal uh, representation you say well you ain't got no bible yes i do oh yes i do i sure do in the book of romans now don't get me started on that one we'll, we'll deal with that on another podcast, but I'm going to tell you what, uh, it's in the Word of God, it's in the book of Romans, I'm going to tell you right now, and if you don't know the chapter and verse, I ain't giving it to you, go study the whole entire chapter, maybe you'll learn a few things, anyway, now I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be hateful, and I'm not. Try I'm just trying to get you, number one, to learn the Word of God, and don't tell me it ain't in the Word, because I know it is, so uh, you're going to have to understand that God put the laws in place for reasons and when we who are called the saints of the living God when we don't follow God's law and it has broken laws uh, you know God put the law there for a reason it got no business defunding the police God put the police there to do their business amen and hallelujah but we're gonna move on all right now so this chapter 5 is dealing with sexual sin. And so we're going to read and see what's going on here. And so it says in verse 1, it says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not mentioned so, uh, so much as named among the Gentiles that uh, one should have his father's wife. And so what was going on is they were, there was a man that was having sex relations because the word fornication there can be translated adultery it's got other things attached to it but uh, uh, like I've said before there's uh, more than one word of fornication there's uh, I think four different ones that uh, are uh, in the New Testament and so uh, one of those includes adultery and that's what's going on well why is it called adultery it's also could be incest well it very well could be but you're going to have to understand that uh, for whatever reason, he's calling him his father's wife. Now, that could have been his stepmom, but it's still wrong. It could have been his actual mother, and they just couldn't bring themselves to even say it. And that could be why that it says among the Gentiles that nobody was even, that kind of sin wasn't even named among them. Now, when it used the word Gentile, because, you know, anybody not a Jew, we're Gentile. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a Gentile. So, uh, but what it's referring there, because this is a, a very predominantly... Um, uh, Gentile church I mean there were Jews in the Corinthian church too but uh, the, the bottom line is when they referring to it in that manner they were referring to it as the outsiders those that were on the outside of the church and so he said look even the world on the outside of the world those Gentile folk uh, they they didn't even allow this kind of sin to go on and let yet you're letting it go on in the church 
And that was the problem here. And then in verse 2 it says, and you're puffed up. He's talking to the church. He said you're puffed up. That means you got proud. you got pride in you and have not rather mourned <coughs> that he that have done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now he's saying you ought to be mourning that this person has got to be taken away from you. You say, well, all right, so uh, they weren't dealing with the sin. No, they were not. But it got to the point to where even they were allowed to fellowship with everybody and everybody's just enjoying their company at their love feast and the, or, or what you, uh, some people translate to, um, you know, the Lord's Supper and all, all of those things. Well, in any event, it was a time of fellowship. It was a time of feasting and fellowshipping and they were allowed to be a part of that as if nothing was going on, as if nothing was happening that was wrong even though everybody knew it was going on. And so he said, you're puffed up. Well, why are they puffed up? Because you ain't done nothing about it. You just let it keep on. You got sin in that church and you know that it's going on. You know that there's sexual sin there and you're just letting it go on. And he said, that, that means you've got a heart of pride in the church. You've got to get it get puffed up. you got to get that mess on out of there. It says, and have not rather mourned. Why would they mourn? Because somebody's going to be cut off from the body of Christ. Are they supposed to be? They were supposed to do their job say, look, you can't be in here while you're doing that mess. Now, you, you're going to have to get on until you make up your mind to live right and do right. Then you come back into the fold. You say, that ain't what it means. Well, number one, you don't know your Bible, and let's keep reading. Number two. All right, so, verse number three. <clears throat> for verily I say, or for, ver for I verily. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul is talking about that because he wrote a letter, and he's not able to be there. And he sent this letter on because he's not, not able to stand there and say, look, this is what's going to go on. He's written this letter and he expects them to listen to this letter as if he was there. And so he said, for I verily am absent, as absent in body, but present in spirit. He said, I'm there in the spirit. He said, I may not be there standing there. He said, but I'll tell you what, I'm there in the spirit. He said, have judged already. Don't tell me we're not supposed to judge situations in the church. I get so sick and tired of people misquoting the scripture. I ain't but to judge, I ain't but to judge. <clears throat> but the Bible tells us we are supposed to. That verse that people keep wanting to wreck and destroy, when the Lord said, judge not lest you be judged, you didn't read the whole thing. You need to read the whole thing. He's talking about the hypocrites. You got to read it. You don't know what you're talking about. You think, And you think everybody's a hypocrite? Well, the Lord didn't think that everybody was a hypocrite. Because he, he, he said he came uh, to heal those that were sick, not the ones that were well. He said the ones that were well didn't need a physician. So God knew there were people that were right in God and they were healed in the Lord. The Lord knew. It ain't like everybody running around being a hypocrite. And so that verse was referring to that. So now let's get back to what we're reading. So it says, he said, I've judged already. He said, as though I were present. He said, I've already taken it in. I've already listened to it. Because what would happen is, because uh, these pastors, Apostle Paul and different ones, 
as they're, you know, setting up the foundation for the church that we uh, are so blessed to be able to look back into the word of God and be able to stand on those foundations. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and I do apologize for my, my coughing is a lot uh, more intense than usual because of having been under the weather lately. So please bear with me. I just wanted to get this out and get this uh, uh, portion of the podcast finished. If you just bear with me now. All right. And so he said, I've just already as though I were present concerning him that has uh, so done this deed. Now, isn't it interesting? He said, him that has done this deed, and he didn't mention the woman. You say, well, that's terrible. No, because the men are supposed to be leaders. And I know a lot of men, you know, you don't want to hear that. You don't, you don't want to understand. You're supposed to be a spiritual leader. You're supposed to have a representation of what is holy and right in God. And when you don't, it literally throws everything off balance. Amen. So, uh, let's go on from there. Verse 4. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to that. He said, look, this is what you're going to do. He said, first of all, you're going to do it in the name of the Lord. He said, I'm there with you in spirit, but you're going to have to do this thing with the Lord on your side. When you say in the name of the Lord Jesus, that don't just mean you're just calling on his name just to call on his name. It means the Lord is there and present with you. Amen. And so he said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when you call on that name, that power of the Lord is there. So he said, when you're gathered together, he said, my spirit's going to be with you and the power of God is going to be with you when you call on the name of Jesus. And this is what he says. Number five, verse five. This is what people don't like. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That's what you do with people that will not, will not repent of sexual sin and they're running around in the church. You're not supposed to let it just keep on going. You're supposed to take care of it. And it don't matter who it is. There's, there's no hierarchy when it comes to sin. Y'all understand? There ain't nobody that's above being corrected over their sin. Don't even go down that road. And so, uh, verse 5, it says, To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That's what you got to do. You say, well, that sounds terrible. Well, let me ask you something. Do you know that the Bible say that the word of God was given by the inspiration of the Lord? And that the, that the Lord himself, Jesus himself, he appeared to the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. <coughs> the Apostle Paul was blinded. He was blinded for three days when he met Jesus. By the light of God, he was, he was blinded by that light. And Apostle Paul had the wisdom to say, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. He said, you're persecuting me. So when you persecute the church, you're persecuting Jesus. All right? So when you're letting sin in the church, which is the body, you're letting sin reign over the body. You're not supposed to do that. You got to get that sin out of there. That's the body of Christ. You can't leave it sitting in there. And so he said, you deliver one, son. Why are you going to deliver him to Satan? Because that's where it come from. And see, the thing of it is, you got to understand 
The devil can only do what God allows him to do. You say, I don't want to turn nobody over to uh, uh, Satan and all that because, you know, the devil could just really ravage him. Yeah, he could. He could send them almost to the point of death. You're right. That's true. Because it says for the destruction of the flesh. So they may have to go all the way to the end and almost be dead before they finally are going to listen because of their sexual sin. And you know, a lot of people will not, they will not at all acknowledge their sexual sin. They will not do it. They refuse. And they will sit there and keep saying they're a Christian. They will keep repeating over and over. Yes, I'm a Christian. And yet they will keep committing sexual sin. They will not repent. And so when this happens, you have got to, uh, when they are part of the body of Christ and they are in there and they're, they're fellowshipping and they're a part of things and everybody knows what they're doing <clears throat> and you're just sitting by. Oh, brother so-and-so, how you doing today? Oh, sister so-and-so, how's things going? And you know full well, they, they're bumping and humming over here. You, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. I told you, I talk blunt. I'm telling it like it is. You know they're doing things they ain't supposed to be doing. You full well know it. And you're sitting there just treating them like, oh, no big deal. Well, maybe the reason why you're treating them like that is because you're doing the same thing. Is that why you're trying to make them comfortable? Because if that's the case, maybe they're going to be a big old exit out the door with people being thrown to Satan. You know, for the destruction of the flesh. But you know what? If God gets it nailed down to only two people in the church, the Bible says the Lord is there where two or three are, where, are, are, are there gathered in his name. So if it gets down to only two people, Lord, I mean, and you know the Lord will never leave us and forsake us. So if it get down to one, I guess you better go find somebody else to fellowship with because uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we got to get this sexual sin out of the church. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So uh, verse 5, it says, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved. This is the reason why. Because it says that the spirit, and it's a little s, so it's talking about the spirit of that person. The flesh is going to die anyway, but the bottom line is, if they're turned over to Satan, I'm going to tell you what, that means Satan is going to have a party. And he's going to tear him up. He's going to tear him up. He's going to do some, he's going to do some damage. And, and, and you say, well, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. Well, then what you're saying is you want to be a part of leaving them in the church and, and, and literally causing damage to the body of Jesus Christ? Is that what you want to do? So we can't do that. And so it says that their spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord, Jesus. So when they meet Jesus, they, hopefully that when they're turned over Satan, they're going to get so tired of getting beat up by the devil that they're going to repent. You see? All right. And then if they repent, they're going to get right with the Lord, then they'll be ready to be saved. But in other words, they're not going to be ready if they don't get turned over because they're just going to keep on doing what they're doing. And then when they meet Jesus, they're not going to be saved. You say, well, they were saved one time, so once saved, always saved. There is no such teaching in the Bible. Jesus don't even teach it. That is a lie that has been perpetrated by certain churches. It's a doctrine that is not biblical at all. Jesus makes it very clear. He said, there are going to be people standing before me that say, I, I did this in your name, I did that in your name. And he said, I'm going to tell them I don't know them. And he said, the reason why was because of the sin in their life. And these were people that believed in him. 
Don't sit there and try to twist it and say, well, they weren't believers. No, no they weren't. You're not reading it. You need to go back and read it. And if you've got to read it a hundred times, you need to read it. Amen. And pray before you read. Maybe you'll get an enlightenment. Anyway. All right. Verse 6. Your glorying is not good. He said they were glorying. They're like, Woo, our church boy, we're just doing all right. And here they full well knew this was going on. He said, your glory is not good. This is not a good thing. Don't sit there and talk about all your programs you got going on and how big the church is getting and how wonderful everything is and all that when you know that there's such a sin in the church and you're not taking care of it. You're not getting it out of there. Amen. He says, your glory is not good. He said, no, you're not. That a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. He said, don't you know that? How many people, and leaven is like yeast. He said, he said how many of you don't know that it only takes a little bit of yeast. Have you ever made bread? Have you ever seen anybody make a bread? It does not take very much yeast at all. And rise that up, and and you can make a you can make like two or three loaves out of some dough that uh, you know you divide it up and it keeps growing and doing all that. But that yeast does that. And he says it don't take much to do that. All right. And so that's what he's trying to say. Look, he said this can literally bleed over into the rest of the church because you've got these people over here and they're being honored like everything's just fine. Well, then what's going to happen with uh, these these people over here and these people over here and these people over here in the church? Oh, look, everybody knows they're committing sex sense, so I guess we can do the same thing. And it's just going to explode. It's going to ex explode into a big mess because you ain't got the, the, the strength. Why don't you have the strength to, to do what you got to do and take them out? I, I tell you what it could be is because either you ain't baptized with the Holy Ghost or you ain't stayed full of it. You ain't stayed full of the Holy Ghost. Because if you stay full of the Holy Ghost, Jesus is going to get a hold of them and say, you and you, and you, you got to go. And, and you're going to have to do it with the church just like it says. With the Spirit of the Lord there, the power of God there, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you tell, look, in the name of the Lord, these ones have got to go until they repent. All right. Now, do you know what that means? That means that they were uh, they were to be cut off. They were to be literally uh, taken and, and 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 removed from the congregation. They they could not be a part of the congregation whatsoever. They were not going to be able to to uh, uh, fellowship with anybody. They were not supposed to be eating with anybody. And I can go through scripture after scripture to prove what I'm saying. They were not to, nothing. They, they, and you say, well, that sounds like excommunication. Well, I guess if that's the word you want to put with it. But God said, look, you're going to have to deal with sin in the church. And sexual sin specifically is a big, big problem. Because it can literally uh, cause all kinds of stuff. Now look at verse 7. It says, purge out therefore old, the old leaven. All right, because you know yeast use it; it loses uh, that that strength or whatever. He said, "Purge out that old leaven, uh, that ye may be a new lump, and as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us." You know that's what uh, they did. You know the Passover; they served unleavened bread, and so they're they're it's it's letting you know right here. That Christ, Christ himself, don't you understand? It says he is our Passover. That you're not going to have no living up in there. They ain't going, you ain't going to have all that because sin is, uh, yeast is, uh, is equivalent to sin. Or sin is likened unto yeast because it can grow. 
and it can grow just like that. It don't take much. All it takes is a little bit of sexual sin, and it's just going to explode all over the church. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, it is. It is so. You call God's word a liar? Now, that can't be so. Because if they are in the church like it was here, all right, you got to understand. If it was like now, now if nobody know about it, then God's going to see it himself and he will reveal it because the Bible says that what's done in the dark is going to be brought out in the light. So any of you that are still committing sexual sin and you think that you're getting away with it, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to come out in the light and you better watch out because God's going to see to it. Do you understand that? If you got a mind to live holy, if that church has a mind to walk holy, that light is going to bring out your sin. And so you better stop it while you can. You better repent of whatever sexual sin you got going on. You better stop that. And so <clears throat> it says you got to purge it out. What does that mean? You got to take it out. You can't have that in there. Verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Now, they had what they called love feasts. And this is what a lot of people, they call them fellowship meals and all this kind of thing. But they also had, a lot of times people uh, translate this to be uh, referring to the Lord's Supper. However you're going to translate that or a combination of both, the bottom line is it's a time that you fellowship together. And nobody with sexual sin is supposed to be part of any of those things. All right? You got a barbecue at the park? Don't you sit there and invite people that you know are committing sexual sin and they're calling themselves a brother or sister in the church. You better not do that because God is not pleased with that. And you say, well, uh, that's not right. We're supposed to lo show the love of Jesus. No, you're showing what Jesus says to do with sexual sin through the mouth of the apostle that he knocked to the ground blind. And he taught him what to say. He said, this is what you're going to teach. Now, that's why I told you that a lot of folks don't like this, this chapter. They don't like it. Why? Because there's a lot of sexual sin out there and even in the church. And you full well know that that's the reason why it would make anybody mad. Now, so it says, Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. It's not just going to be sexual sin. But that is where it starts. Do you see that? Sexual sin can be so destructive. And then we're going to have to understand it goes on. It goes on even further because it goes into malice and wickedness. Anybody, if you got malice in your heart, they, they ain't supposed to be over there at that feast. Uh-uh. You got to purge that out. If, they, if they're going to be doing any kind of wickedness and, and the church body is aware of it, no. You got to let it know, hey, you can get on the altar and repent, or you're going to have to get on. You say, well, I can't talk to my parishioners like that. I can't. I, I'm here to show the love of Jesus. You're going to show the love of Jesus by allowing sin to stay right there, even though the Scripture, which is God's Word, tells you different. Can you tell me how you're going to explain that to Jesus when you meet him? You're not going to be able to explain that. And what he's going to do is say exactly what he said he's going to say. He's going to say, I don't know you because of your sin because you didn't do what I said. I'm not talking about what I said. I'm talking about what he said. Don't twist my words. 
I'm just repeating what Jesus is going to say to you. Now, he might not say those words verbatim, but I know he said that's what he's going to say. He said it himself. I'm just telling you what he said. You, you can, you know, you can get uh, glad the same way you got mad, but that's what it says. All right. So, and then there's also, uh, but let's, let's do it this way. This is how we're supposed to do it. He said, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. See, there, there's things in, in, in the literal uh, celebration of those things where they literally would bring in the unleavened bread for the Passover and all of those things. Those were in a literal sense, and now God is applying uh, some spiritual sense to this. And so in the spiritual sense, he said, look, we've got to turn this around. We've got to be able to come into the house of God with our feast and walking together in unity and fellowship together with an unleavened spirit. Amen. And it is the bread of sincerity and truth. The bread of sincerity and truth. Amen. And so, what is sincerity and truth? Well, what, whatever Jesus says and whatever Jesus did was all truth. Do you think that Jesus didn't deal with sin? Don't you know that when he started his ministry, the first thing he said, you need to repent? I bet a lot of people don't know that. <coughs> now, let's move on. Verse 9, because I'm trying to get through here. I wrote unto you, this is Apostle Paul, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. All right? Now, whether... You know, this was another uh, writing that he did or whatever that, because um, this is written in the first uh, letter that we have or whatever, uh, is it's it's not to sit there and twist all that up to try to pull ourselves away from the main thrust of what's being said. So let's stay focused and stop using all this stuff that the devil wants to use to say, oh, there's another letter. You know that kind of mess. Huh? And you get so twisted up with all of that that you don't even listen to what it's saying. Don't you know that's a tool of the devil? Amen. So, as he said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. So, that's the end of the subject. There ain't nothing left to argue about. And and you want to, you want to, you know, Check all those things out and maybe search it out or whatever. But don't sit there and try to find some other books to the Bible and all this other kind of stuff. <clears throat> That's not the point of this. The point is that he told them that he wrote them another letter and he said, the first thing I said to you was not to what? He said, I told you not to company with fornicators. He said, I told you not to company with fornicators. What does that mean? You are not supposed to fellowship with fornicators. Those who commit sexual sin. You're not supposed to fellowship with them. And he was talking to the church. And they were literally having them come in. Anytime there was fellowship. Anything that was going on. They knew they were committing sin. Now. Okay. So you understand what I'm saying. So. He said I told you not to company with fornicators. Alright. So. One thing that he's saying here is there are people out there that commit fornication. All right, all the different things uh, that uh, the word fornication imp imply. 
you know, we've went through that through our other um, uh, lessons uh, concerning this, what we are doing, sexual sin and its destruction. So you can go back to uh, part one and part two and move on to part three. And you can, uh, we, we go into some of those things quite extensively. But in any event, uh, he said, I told you, don't keep company. In other words, if you know people, and, I, and not even just people in the church. Now, this is just saying fornicators. It's not talking about people in the church at this point. That's not what it's doing. It's talking about people that are fornicating. You know they're committing sin. Maybe you're next door neighbor. You know they're, uh, they're not married, but they're living together. Well, if, you, if, you're, if, if you're not married and you're living together and you're having sex, all right, you, you're not living right because... The Bible, you know, it, it makes it very clear that if you're, and I hate to be so blunt for some folks because some folks don't like the way I get so blunt, but there is verses of Scripture that literally let us know that if you're going to be acting unseemly towards your virgin. Now, if you'd like that properly translated real bluntly, it means you are using your penis in the wrong appropriate way towards the one you ain't had sex with. That's what that means. And so <clears throat> he said, and then you, well, the solution, well, you're going to get married. And so because it is the only place that any relationship has any value to God is a marital relationship. And so that is the, uh, you know, the thrust of, of that. Now, so when we look at uh, verse 9, he's saying, look, he said, I told you not to keep company with fornicators. You're not supposed to be hanging out with them. You're not supposed to be. That doesn't mean that you can't go invite them to church. But, you, you know, you, you're not going to go on vacation together. Y'all know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you're not going to be doing all that. Yeah, yeah, oh, let's go out boating on the lake. and da -da. No, you're not going to be doing that. You say, well, how am I going to reach them? Well, you're going to be living your life. You're going to be living a holy life. And every once in a while, maybe you're going to invite them over to dinner so they can see what your house is like, how to live holy and godly. You say, uh, well, uh, isn't that the same? No, it's not the same. Because you know what? You ought to be living holy in your house. Do you understand? You ought to be living holy in your house. And so you can invite them over to your house and say, look, Oh, well, we, you know, I, I, we'd like you to come over and visit with us. <coughs> and uh, they can come on in and they can see what it's like. Now, if you're not living in holy in your house, they're going to notice that real quick. And they're going to think, well, what's the difference in the way you live and what I live? So, but when you enter into their territory and they're not living right, you stepped into an area you're not supposed to be in. And, and that doesn't mean that you can't be cordial, you can't be polite, you can't be nice, you can be, you can be very friendly and all that. You can even help your neighbor. You know, we're supposed to do that. You can be kind and help your neighbor, you know, be neighborly and be friendly and all those kind of things. But you've got to stop short of where it goes into uh, too much of a relationship where you are literally in company back and forth back and forth back and forth and and uh, uh that's not my words it's just the scripture and so you say well so i could invite them over well if you got if you're going to be living holy and you invite them over and they can see uh, you know you, you got a different way about you your family's got a different way of living you're not the same and you invite them over to enjoy a nice meal and and maybe that would encourage them uh by the difference they say see in your life and the love that you're showing them uh that and maybe it would open up the door for you to be able to invite them to church amen 
but you gotta you gotta represent the Lord as He is, and that is holy. All right. So anyway, but you can't be just fellowshipping, running around with people that are uh, fornicators. They'll commit uh, sexual sin. All right. So, but he said in verse ten, he said, "Yet not all together with the fornicators of this world." Okay, and then it lists others, or the covetous, or extortioners, and adulter uh, idolaters. And he said, "For them must needs uh, you needs go out into the world." He said, "He said I don't mean to completely cut yourself off from them." That's what he means. So we can't completely cut ourselves off from those that are in the world because we're here for a reason. And so that's why I'm saying there's a difference in you waltzing into their house. Okay? You say, well, what do I do if they invite me to dinner? Well, the Apostle Paul got another discussion over that one, and we can go into that one with another uh, podcast. But what we're talking about is sexual sin. And so if you know because you know that they're not married and if you uh, you know if they've got a child you pretty much know they've had sex now come on everybody know how it works amen mm -hmm. all right so uh let's see and if they've adopted a child well that might be different but that lets you know if they adopt a child well they must be in a relationship come on don't take much to think all right so uh anyway so he said but he said, so we're, we're still in this world. We, we can't just cut everybody off in these different ones because we've got to reach them. You just can't keep company with them, but you've got to, you've got to be able to uh, reach them and all. But listen to what he said in verse 11, though. He said, but now I have written unto you. Now he's got to tell you something else. He's got to add something else to it. From the first time he spoke to him, he said, now I'm going to tell you this. He said, now I've written unto you not to keep company. Not. If any man, that word is translated human being, so it's man or woman, that is called a brother, or it could be a sister, okay? In other words, a family member, church family member is what I'm talking about. Not, not your blood, not your doctor, no. Not, it can be that, you know, the part of the church and all that. But he said, you don't keep company. He said, those that be a fornicator. Now, it lists other things too, and we're going to talk about that another time. But we're talking about sexual sin and its destruction. But he said, I told you not to keep company. Now, you know, a lot of people got a problem with that because a lot of people, their families in church and all that, well, how are you going to do that? That's going to be a real difficult problem. That's going to be a real struggle. But the point to be made here is that there has to be something done that will put pressure on these people to turn from what they're doing and not continue to walk into the church doing what they're doing. And think that everything's going to be fine, uh, and 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 nobody's going to say a thing to you, and you can just keep on doing what you're doing. And so there has to be an accountability for this type of thing, and this is where the Bible <coughs> brings that accountability to. And so, uh, but look at what he says at the end of verse eleven. He says, "With such an one, know not to eat." You're not even supposed to sit down and eat with them. What? How am I going to have a birthday party? Well, if they're part of the church and they, you know. Now, I want to make a, you know, I want to say something here and I'm not discounting anything I'm saying right now. Because the Lord is making a point here through the mouth of the Apostle Paul when he said, now those of the world and all of that. 
But you do have to understand too, uh, let's say new converts come to the church. Maybe they live like that, you know, and they and all of that, and they realize from the Word of God that they're, uh, they've got to get this right, and they've got to make it right, and they're going to do whatever they can to get that done, and they're trying to work on those things. You, you know, uh, you you got to learn to be loving and patient, but now if it's somebody just making an excuse, oh, yeah, we're going to do it next year. No, uh-uh. You can't drag it out like that. You know, you're going to have to, you know, well, we want a big wedding. Well, that's too bad because, you know, you got the cart before the horse. So, uh, you know, and, and if they're really wanting to obey the Lord, uh, they, they don't mind the Thursday night wedding. Y'all know what I mean? Yeah, you do. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Monday night weddings, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Sunday morning weddings before, you know, your Sunday school. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, or maybe an office in the pastor's, uh, wedding in the office of the pastor. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, all right. But, they, you know, folks that are new in the Lord and then they realize, I mean, give some people, uh, you know, the new converts a little bit of time to ingest and digest what's right so they know and understand, have some uh, compassion and some wisdom. you got to use some wisdom. But this is referring to people they know and they're just blatantly sinning. They, they're not... They don't, you know, they don't want to listen. They just keep on keeping on. But it says not to eat with them. Now, I told you, people don't like this chapter. Well, I don't like that because that means I can't go out to dinner with them and I can't sit there at the birthday party and I can't go to the barbecue and I can't. I'm just telling you what it says. What are you going to do about it? So the, the bottom line is, is that the Apostle Paul said, look, these sins, now we're talking about sexual sin, but I'm going to tell you all these other ones add in too. All right, so we're going to have to check those things out too sometime where all these other things, extortioners and idolaters and, and covetous, anybody like that, you're not supposed to be sitting and eating with them either. So God wants the church cleaned up. You don't want that mess going on. But right now we're focused on sexual sin. All right, so uh, verse uh, 12 and 13, and then we're done. It says, For... What have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within? He said, well, you know, the Apostle Paul led us to know <coughs> that we are supposed to be judging the situations that are within the church. We don't, <coughs> we don't have the authority to judge uh, those on the outside. God will do that. <coughs> but... Once they come into the church, the Bible says that, that um, judgment begins at the house of God. And so he said those that are within without, what that's referring to is those that are either in church or out of church, serving God or not serving God. So verse 13, he says, but them that are without, those that are not attending church, those that are not a part of the body of Christ, those that are without, God judgeth. All right. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. The Bible is calling him a wicked person. But they call themselves a brother or a sister or whatever the case going on. But God is saying, look, this is a serious thing. Now we're going to wrap this up. This is a serious thing, folks. Sexual sin is a serious thing. And even in the letters to the church, they took very serious matters. Now how you deal with it at your church, how extreme you get with it, I would say to you, uh, be merciful, 
But, uh, and I say that out of the you know, heart of a pastor, but at the same time, you got to deal with sin. You can't let it keep going on. Now, if it comes to, to the fact that that is what has to be done and the people have to be asked to leave if they don't repent, uh, if they do come to a place of repentance, if you look into 2 Corinthians, and it's a, right at the beginning of that book, the Apostle Paul said, look, he's had enough. It's, it seems to be referring back to the person in chapter 5 and to restore him back. Uh, and so we've got to restore people back if they're willing to repent, if they're willing to uh, come around. Now, those uh, who have, you know, and, you, you know, you want to you wanna understand something. If people are caught in sin and they do repent, some people say, oh, well, they just repented because they got caught. Well, that may be true, but that might be God's way of getting them to turn around. But at the same time, don't let that just slide. You can't let it just slide because if everybody knew and they see that you just let it slide and they keep getting up on the pulpit and they're singing or they're playing the drums or whatever they're doing and nothing is done to say, okay, you've been caught in this. Now we're going to have to do something. Maybe you can't play the drums for a few months or whatever. You can't get up in the pulpit and sing for a while because, um, because your sin was known and we had, or your sin came to light and we can't just let it slide. And if they're really repentant, now that's the thing. If they're really, really repentant, they're going to submit. And, and they're going to be willing to do. Because when, when the prodigal came back to the father, you know you could be a prodigal and be going to church all your life. Don't tell me you got to leave the, uh, you say, well, they left, he left the father. Well, he did. But don't you know people can leave the father in the mind? That's what Jesus said. You can leave him in the mind. You can commit adultery in the mind. You can leave the father in the mind. You can be long gone in your heart from the Father and be sitting there singing hallelujah all you want. But you can flat out. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can flat out be gone away from the Father of lights. Hallelujah. To be gone away from the one that created you, don't you know? Amen. Just because of your disobedient heart. And I know that's true. I know that it's true. And so now... So we want to be merciful, we want to be kind, and we want to use wisdom. Uh, you, you want to use that very uh, discreetly, try to, as, as much as possible, try to be as gentle as you can, but uh, you know, if it's a spirit of rebellion, it may take more than just a gentle uh, spirit from some folks. Uh, to to uh, just to ask them to get on down the road, because the, that sin, that sexual sin, is going to be destructive to the church. You don't want to sit in there. You don't want to sit in there. Now, let's say uh, you know a pastor, he's caught in sin. Don't leave him in the pulpit. Y'all gonna have to do something. Don't leave him in the pulpit. You say, well, I ain't got nobody else. Well, God's gonna take care of it. <clears throat> but what He expects you to do is take care of your business too. And if it, if if that's what's happened. And so that's why it's very important that you've got uh, things set up in the bylaws and all of that kind of thing to take care of things like that because, uh, you, you know, it's been very well broadcast in the public arena where there have been pastors of very large, what they call megachurches, fall into sin. And, and you know, and, and you see them being removed. You say, well, they've got a big church, so they've got people to cover. Well, that's all fine and well. 
But don't you know back in the day, I'm going to tell you what, back in the day, way back in the day in the 60s and early 70s, that sometimes there were churches that didn't have pastors and they were functioning as best that they could until the Lord blessed them with one. And so God will do what he needs to do, but he needs you to do what you got to do as a church too and follow his word. Now with that said, as I said, you know, it is the prescription given to us, uh, but let's not use it like a... Uh, don't use it like a thing you're just going to wheel around like a power sword. Don't do that. You can't do that. You know, I mean, uh, you, you're going to have to be careful about what you're doing because you, you if you're a pastor, you're going to have to have a heart of the pastor too. Now, I'm not talking about letting the sin ride. I know I've had some harsh words to say, some tough words to say, but at the same time, you're going to have to evaluate each situation See where the people are with their attitudes and their behaviors. You say, well, now it sounds like you talk to pastors. Well, I am if you're going to listen. If you don't want to listen, that's all right. Click it off. It don't matter to me. I don't care. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, somebody got to do something. You can't leave sin in the church because it's going to bleed over and it's going to explode. And then what you're going to have, you, all you're, going to, you, you're just going to have a meeting place for people to have sex with somebody because they're going to say, hey, you can go down there. I'll tell you what, you find somebody up in there. And if that's what's going on, I'll tell you what, there needs to be some cleaning out. And that, that means call. maybe your church needs to be called to a fast. Maybe your church needs to be called to prayer. And then people don't want to show up and say, well, how come you didn't show up? Why weren't you here? Do, do you not care? Well, maybe they had a good reason. You know, like I said, let the heart of the pastor take over. Maybe, maybe they honestly were at work. You know, you don't, you got to check it out. You know, don't tear their head off for no reason then. But uh, anyhow, I don't mean literally tearing the heads off. You know you can't do that. But anyway, all right. And so what I want to end this lesson, this is the third part, and I'm going to be done with this for now. But um, I want to pray because I know that there are a lot of folks out there, you're addicted to sex, you're addicted to pornography, you're addicted to a lot of things. And I want to pray one more time before we end this, uh, what we, this series of lesson that we've been doing. Uh, sexual sin and its destruction. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. That uh, Your word, it says, it gives us everything for life and godliness, everything that pertained to life and godliness. And certainly uh, this is something that pertained to life because you created us with the sexual drive and all of those things. But Lord, I know that uh, you, you do want us to be able to enjoy that, but you want us to enjoy it within the confines uh, of what you call uh, right and holy and to in a marital relationship and all of that. And we thank God that you um, uh, have that uh, compassionate heart. And Lord, we've talked about other things. We've talked about uh, what for folks that are single and different ones, uh, how to deal with things and, and uh, the proper use of masturbation and all that. Not a lot of folks just absolutely, Lord, you know they didn't like it. They didn't want to hear it. And they think I'm wrong. They probably think I'm going to hell for saying it. But uh, uh, Lord, help them to understand they're wrong and they'll get, they need to pray through. And I know they're probably just shaking their head thinking, oh, he thinks he knows it all. But Lord, you see it all. You hear it all. You know, Lord, you know, you know, you know, Lord. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, I'm just asking you, God, merciful Jesus, I'm asking you, God, to help people in some of these pastors. God, give them wisdom. Lord, you, you didn't speak nothing about that in, in your scripture, talking about those things. So, Lord, help these pastors. Leave people alone. 
And Lord, if they got a problem with being addicted to masturbation, then God, give them the strength to overcome those things and not to be uh, utilizing uh, masturbation with pornography and all these other things. But God, help them. Help them to get control of these things. And, and Lord, to find those, uh, if they just uh, really want a marital partner, then God, help them to uh, be able to be brought together with a marital partner that you have for them, that you have created for them. Uh, Lord, we, we know that you're able to do that. I know that you are. And uh, I, I give you praise and I thank you for that because I know that, that that power of yours is real. You are able to bring together those that you desire to put together. And uh, so, Lord, I, I ask you, God, to um, help people to see the damage that can be done through pornography. It is such a um, destruction, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just ask God that you would open up people's eyes uh, to uh, see and to understand their need uh, to let it go, to, to cut it off and to leave it alone. Uh, because the more that they watch, the more damaging uh, it is to uh, their mind and to their heart, to the soul. And uh, in, in doing destruction to our own soul, sexual sin. And um, certainly pornography is a part of those things. And seems to be a great and a mighty tool of the enemy, Lord. It is a multi-billion dollar business. And I'm asking you, God, in the name of, hallelujah, in the name of the Lord Jesus, God, that you send down your power to give people the strength to overcome their addiction to it in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I plead the blood over the minds of those that really have a mind and a desire, God, to want to be delivered. God, give them the strength and give them the anointing and help them on out, Lord, to be able to have the overcoming power that I know that you got, Lord, in Jesus' name to get on through. In Jesus' name. And let it be that every day you walk with them. And they, and they take a step every day with you. And they, they walk with you every day. And they just lean on you, Lord, for the strength to overcome. And I know that you're able to do that. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In the blessed, holy, righteous name of Jesus. And amen, I say. And so with all that said, I am just uh, thankful to be here with you uh, tonight one more time. And I am going to try to shorten the podcast. I, I know I've had my last few or gotten a little long-winded. But, um, but these are things that are serious things that need to be talked about. And, and uh, so until we meet again, this is t Tuesday evening. So the next time we're going to have a podcast on Friday. And I sure enough will um, uh, look forward to that. And I would like to encourage you, if you will, to go to the unit preacher. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, and uh, we're preaching on Saturday, uh, the Sabbath, and uh, we got the whole, it's not just preaching, we got the whole thing, the whole worship service, the saying, the worship, the, oh, I tell you what, we love to worship the Lord, we love to give Him praise, hallelujah, and uh, and then you uh, also on Wednesday night Bible study, you can look at Eunuch Preacher, you'll find the list of both the Wednesday night Bible studies and our uh, worship service on the Sabbath um, that comes up. And that is the eunuch preacher. And you can, um, I, if I remember correctly, that you will find on YouTube. And uh, so uh, we'll be looking forward to those of you to view and to listen to the Word of God being preached and, and enjoying our worship services and all of that. And we just thank you for just being a part of us. And uh, until we meet again, 
And if we don't meet here, we'll meet in the air if you're ready to go. Amen. Hallelujah.